How do some Taiwanese feel about reunifying with China? Do they live in fear of an invasion? What is filial piety and how does it affect the young people of Taiwan today? What is it like to get an education in Taiwan? How do Taiwanese treat outsiders? Today, I have two guests living in Taiwan answering all these questions and more on this episode, generous, intensely educated, and slightly more worried about China, perspectives from Taiwan. Welcome to Wiser World, a podcast for busy people who need a refresher on all things world. Here we explore different regions of the globe, giving you the facts and context you need to think historically about current events. I truly believe that the more we learn about the world, the more we embrace our shared humanity. I'm your host, Ali Roper. Thanks for being here. Today, I am thrilled to be talking about Taiwan with Jessica and Cassia, who are calling in from Taiwan today. Cassia is an American living in Taiwan with her family, and Jessica is Taiwanese. So welcome, you two. Thank you so much for being on the show. I wonder if we could start a little with your backgrounds and a little more information about you guys. So Cassia, do you want to start on how you ended up in Taiwan? And what's a little bit about your story? Sure. Well, I actually started in mainland China. So I was there for four or five years with my family, but during COVID, some things changed for a lot of people in mainland China. And it seemed like our best option for work was to go to Taiwan. And here we are now, we've really enjoyed the move. So I've been in a process of trying to understand the difference between the two places and um, spending time with a lot of friends like Jessica, helping me process those differences and learning about Taiwan's history and culture because my family and I are super curious and we also run a YouTube channel, it, the YouTube channel, um, the YouTube channel is called Andy in Taiwan. And we kind of explore Taiwanese culture for the first time through the eyes of our children. Oh, wow. That's really fun. And do you speak Mandarin? Do you speak Taiwanese? What's your language background? Yeah, I studied Mandarin in mainland China for four or five years, but I have forever to go. And the accent is different here as well. So I'm trying to adjust to those little differences. All right. And do you mind me asking how many kids you have living in Taiwan? Yeah. So I have three children. One of them was born in Taiwan in a Taiwanese hospital last year. Um, looks like I got pregnant very quickly. So there's another one on the way as well. <laughs> so, oh, congrats. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it seems that this number four will be born in Taiwan as well. I think it's really fun engaging in another culture as a family because your kids challenge you to learn and your kids experiencing something for the first time is, is incredible to see. And um, they're so innocent and they're so accepting and we just have a, a lot to learn. And so many things are just normal to them that would be different to us. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, Jessica, let's hear a little bit about you. What's your story? And um, yeah, just a little bit more about yourself. Hi, I'm Jessica. I'm from southern part of Taiwan. It's called Kaohsiung. And I believe my uh, ancestor is from mainland China, uh, Hokkien. Yeah, so I speak Mandarin and Taiwanese is Hokkien. So I don't exactly know my ancestor came to Taiwan maybe between 17th to 19th century during Qing uh, dynasty. Wow, period. so you are original yeah. Taiwanese. You are not, you are pre-1949 Taiwanese. 
<laughs> yeah, original Taiwanese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were telling me before the interview mm-hmm. that you studied a little bit in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit about that time? Yeah, I have been to U.S. for maybe nearly ten years. So I got my a bachelor degree and master degree in US. Wow. Yeah. So I have a master degree in art history. So I'm kind of familiar with history story. Yeah. Jessica was very kind to me when I first arrived Kaohsiung, which is her hometown. And uh, now she's gone up to Taipei to study, but she invited me over to her house for Chinese New Year, and I got to meet her parents and celebrate yeah. it in a more traditional way. So um, I really enjoy living in Jessica's hometown. Oh, I think I think maybe be- before I live in U.S., uh, many people helped me, uh, like uh, during the holiday, will invite me to their house. So I, uh, when I come back, probably I can like a treat them back so though that kind of situation yeah yeah returning the favor yeah that's wonderful that's so cool and that's so great that you guys have a friendship with each other i love that all right so i wanted to ask a few questions about taiwan and its culture and the things that you love about living there so starting with the positive the less political so what are some of the things that you two love about taiwan and and wish that people knew about taiwan i think Good thing is, uh, I think Taiwan is pretty safe country, and I like it's very convenient. Uh, we have the highest density of convenience store in the world, and it's clean on the street. And I think the loss, uh, the rate of fun and uh, loss and fun is higher if compared to other country. That well, those are all really good reasons. I didn't realize Taiwan was so safe. Have you found that to be true, Cassia? Yes, I have. I really have no problem walking at night by myself. And, and that really means a lot, especially as a woman here um, and as someone with kids as well. Of course, there's a lot of busy activity on the streets. It also has the biggest motorcycle density of any island in the world. So my kids need to hold my hand very tightly when we're walking, but we, we most of the time feel very safe. <laughs> that's, that's a nice thing to know, especially when you think about traveling to a country. I was curious also a little bit yeah. about the education culture in Taiwan. I've heard that people take education very seriously there. Have you noticed that to be true? Yes. <laughs> We have more competitive if if compared to the Western. It's very com- it's very competitive. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like a, but probably less competitive than oh, China. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we we also have a lot of cram school after like a tutoring center after like a normal school. After that, the children will go to like tutoring center. Okay, so there's extra schooling in Taiwan. Yes, a lot. (laughs) The school doesn't stop for kids um, at at, um, whatever time they get off school, 3 or 4 p.m. They have to often continue, like she said, at these tutoring centers until very late at night, sometimes on the weekends as well. The parents feel like they need to enroll them in these tutoring centers or cran schools so that they can keep up with other kids. It's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I feel it's kind of sad we don't really to find out kids' talent. We, we just don't want to lose. We don't want to like uh, behind other kids. 
So it's, you feel like it's so competitive that you almost, you do, everyone just wants to be ahead that you're not really listening to yes. what the kids need per se. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't like the Taiwanese uh, education is they're trying to put everyone to conformity like uh, to everyone should be the same mm. that, that's that part I don't like so what is expected is it expected that after you finish um, when you're an older teenager is it expected that you go on to college that you go on to get a master's like what what's the level that's usually accepted of education uh, college so everyone is expected yeah. to go to college in Taiwan. Yeah, at least you you should have a, a college uh yeah, college degree. Wow. Wow. Okay, this is so fun. All right. I also wanted to know a little bit about family structure. Do families in Taiwan are there multiple generations living in a home with the grandparents living at home? Is that common? Yeah. But uh for for my my generation, I don't love to live with parents but uh, because the economic issues probably live with parents is cheaper and more convenient some people will love to live separate gotcha yeah it depends on the situation I think for me it's been a big cultural difference to see more instances of family living together than they would be in the states and like Jessica said um, in my limited understanding that it is an economic situation because the island is so small and housing is limited it just makes more sense financially when a lot of young people can't afford homes of their own um, to live with family and of course in an eastern culture mindset that is more socially accepted with confucian values and, and different things like that and so of course there's great advantages to families living together as well but um, i really emphasize i have empathy for the young people who want to live on their own, for sure. Have a little more space. Yeah. I was just curious about that because I know that's really common. And I have some friends that are from Asia and they don't always approve of how in the United States we often put older people in retirement homes or away from, you know, they, they don't often live yeah. with their kids. So I was just curious what that was like in Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah. But probably some people think if we uh, put the elder people to like a, a care center, that is not xiao sun. Uh, could you explain that, Kesia? Yes. So xiao sun is the Chinese concept of filial piety. And of course, Japanese cultures and, and Korea has this as well. Uh, it's very much of a Confucian value. Um, but Xiao Sun is so important in Taiwanese culture. So even if you're not living with your parents, your parents realistically will have some impact on your decisions and expect to have a stake in, in your decisions. And um, a, lo a lot of that comes down to your parents having given birth to you. And so because your parents gave birth to you, naturally in this culture, you feel an obligation to them for the rest of your life. Um, and the parents remind you of that as well. <laughs> and but yeah, I think um, there's definitely more expectation for young people to start taking care of their parents at a certain age. I think um, maybe Western parents are um, 
just excited to have their kids out of the house. Oh, go take <laughs> care of yourself. I'm, I'm done with you. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's like once you reach uh, working age in, in, in Taiwan and, and mainland China as well, in my experience, I've seen a lot of the parents come back to their kids and say, okay, it's your turn now. It's your turn to take care of me or at least involve me in your decisions, whether that mean financially or who you date, who you marry. And there, there can be some pressure that comes along with that. But of course, families can be closer as well. Right, right. Oh, that's so interesting. And it gives me so much insight. A lot of my neighborhood is Filipino or Chinese. And I see a lot of grandparents with their grandchildren during the day. And I really love seeing that. I love seeing the interactions between the older generation, and the younger generation. I think it's really sweet. But a lot of that is because they live together and or they come and stay for months on end from wherever they they live so just giving me context for what I see in my day-to-day life too so I love that okay I I want to move on a little bit to some of the history and some of the more political things about Taiwan so on the day that we're recording this May 23rd President Biden is in Japan and he just made a statement I'm sure you guys heard that that the U.S. would use military force to defend Taiwan if it were to be attacked by China. And so I'm curious if there was any reaction to this in Taiwan that you noticed today. And then just, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on how the Taiwanese feel about this situation with China. I feel like uh, Taiwanese, some of Taiwanese don't really care. Like uh, uh, China had been like uh, saying, they will like use a weapon or something to us, but it never happened. So when we saw this kind of news, it, it just like a listener story. We don't really pay attention that much. Yeah. So it's like, this is old so, news. <laughs> we, we've been yeah, hearing so, this forever. <laughs> yeah, since, I think since 1996, well, our first uh, presidential election, uh, uh, China just like uh, say, oh, we will like uh, use uh, force to uh, attack Taiwan or something, but it never happened until today. Right. Yeah. So there, you're. So, so most you would say that most Taiwanese don't seem too worried about it. They're not losing sleep yeah. over it. No, not really. <laughs> Well, I'm just curious, Jessica, if you think perhaps this year and last year, do you feel like Taiwanese might be slightly more worried than before? Maybe, maybe uh, since uh, pre- uh, like uh, uh, President Xi, uh, Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, yeah, he probably is more different from the other leader, yeah. So we probably were more concerned about uh, his action. He seems a little bit more attached to the idea of unifying yeah. Taiwan yeah. than past mm-hmm. leaders. So yeah. that's that's interesting to hear that it's um it's almost like the boy who cried wolf that there's this story where if you say it enough times and you don't act on it, you ca- everyone stops listening to you. And it sounds yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounds <laughs> like it sounds like that's the case with China. So I'm curious on another perspective though, how do most Taiwanese, would you say, feel about the idea of reunifying with China? Do Are there Taiwanese people who want to reunify with China? Or is that 
not common. I think about 10 to 15 years ago when the uh, China economy grows, there's many people love to work in China and there's more opportunity and salaries much higher than Taiwan. So during that period of time, many uh, tourists from, uh, come from uh, China, they visit Taiwan. So there's some part of Taiwanese love to reunion with China. But since their economic declines, uh, we don't think we would like to uh, unify with China. So it's, it has to do yeah. with economics? No, not really. But there's not like a political system and our value uh, and our culture are so different. Right. So even though salary, if I understood that correctly, salary is higher in China than it is yeah. in Taiwan. So Taiwanese mm -hmm. people would go over to China and make more mm -hmm. money. Yeah. But because China has kind of a pseudo-communist style of government, <laughs> depending on what, uh -huh. what region, I guess, and uh -huh. Taiwan is a democracy, there's going to be some butting of heads. So conflict. Major yeah. conflict with reunifying. So you would say, yeah. would you say most Taiwanese don't want to reunify with China? We, we will love to remain the same, but uh, some people hope uh, eventually we can join the United Nations, but that probably is a dream. <laughs> that was a rough day when Taiwan resigned from the UN. That was something I, if you don't mind, that was something I learned from your podcast, actually, Ali. I had not learned that um, that Chiang Kai-shek was the initially the one who made that decision to pull out. And I understand um, with his political philosophy why he made that decision. But thank you for teaching me that, um, <laughs> because I, it's been interesting to see uh the past several years, especially with COVID, um, Taiwan clamoring at the door saying, oh, please let us back in, let us um, have a more active role in the WHO. Uh, COVID was kept at bay for a long time here. Taiwan closed its borders so well that Alpha and Delta barely got in at all. And um, now we're having Omicron for the first time, which is harder to contain. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to, to see how, how decisions have long-term ramifications, you know? And so thank you for teaching me more from your podcast. <laughs> oh, no problem. I, I'm, that makes me happy to hear. I think that it is, that's one of the reasons why I think history is so important because what happens in the past really does have an effect on the day-to-day -day lives of people right now. And I think that just that decision, Chiang Kai-shek made a decision a long time ago and it still has ripple effects. So one of the questions that, well, I guess we kind of answered that question, so never mind. I was just thinking one of the questions a listener asked was like, do the Taiwanese live in fear of Chinese of the Chinese? And the answer probably is no. Is that no they don't? Yeah. Okay. No. I think we get along with Chinese people, but we don't really talk about sensitive issue like political topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, Jessica, if you don't mind, Ali. I'm thinking of more questions. And I was wondering, was there a certain point a couple years ago, Jessica, where uh, Chinese international students stopped studying in Taiwan and then Chinese tourists stopped coming to Taiwan? And then why was that decision made? Why? I think just Chinese government, they stopped uh, sending 
people come to Taiwan. Do you know when that happened? When? Uh, yeah, like a, maybe three years ago. Because I, I moved here after that exchange had already stopped. And a lot of my friends mentioned how mainland Chinese would study in Chinese in Taiwanese universities and how there would be so many mainland Chinese tourists everywhere at the big tourist attractions. And so it seems like that that maybe has affected the Taiwanese economy some, maybe China making that decision. Uh, I will say during like a Mainjo uh, presidential period, uh, he's more close to China and his policy is more close to China. But uh, in fact, it's more uh, like a privilege will take the opportunity to make more money. But majority uh, public will like uh, not, not affect too much. So, so I don't think sending people to Taiwan that make a lot of people make money. The president of Taiwan today is a member of the DPP party. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because Ma, the past president, was more pro-China or more pro-engagement with China, yes, there was more Chinese interaction during yeah. his presidency than yeah. there is today. So if you're in the United States... Do, do you prefer to be called, you would prefer to be called Taiwanese, but do you, con, do you consider yourself to be ethnically Chinese? Like how close do you yourself feel to the Chinese culture? I think when we go abroad, uh, we don't like to be, when, when we like fill out the phone or shopping, we don't like to be recognized as Chinese. We want to be Taiwanese. But sometimes the, the other nation just the, can distinguish, yeah. So it, your preference is always going to be Taiwanese. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, this is so interesting. It's got, there's just so much to it. And I think one of the things that I find the most interesting to consider is if China were to invade Taiwan, if that were to happen, if China were to do that, it would just affect the history. It would it would affect the whole world on such a grand scale, and it would be such a risk for China to do that, economically, financially, to make a decision like that. Just thinking about what would what would be the logic behind China invading Taiwan, except for just a historical precedent that they want to set. It's because uh, Xi Jinping want to continue his. Uh, he wants to be an emperor. He has a more of an imperial mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wanting to, to, to conquer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So China is probably watching what's going on with Russia and considering its, its options. Yeah. And he, uh, China wants to take benefit from the Ukrainian and Russia, maybe. I, I think you made a great point in your podcast, Ali, about how... China recovering, recovering Taiwan, quote unquote, Xi Jinping, quote unquote, being responsible for that, if, if for some reason that happens under his watch, um, would 
give him a lot of um, status and appreciation in the eyes of the mainland Chinese people, because at least from my experience in, in mainland China, that is something that mainland Chinese that I know of almost universally want is, is they feel like Taiwan is a long lost brother or relative and needs to be returned, but not just from the ethnic aspect. Um, as as we know, not not all people who live in Taiwan are ethnically Chinese, but um, also from the historical aspect, as you mentioned in your podcast, there has been a lot of um, humiliation that China has perceived at the hands of foreign powers, uh, actual and perceived. And so, um, if if they um, recovered quote unquote Taiwan, then they might feel more justified to themselves on, on the world stage and um, feel that their period of hum humiliation, what they've called before is the century or, or longer of humiliation would finally be complete in, in their eyes. Um, and so it, it's, it's really an interesting, an interesting conundrum, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, that was beautifully put. That that makes that makes sense to me. I mean, I, so from your experience living in China, that was something that people brought up wanting to Oh, all the time. And I I would purposely try and not get into those conversations because they might expect what American an American would believe. And I tried to find more more common things to unite around with my friends. Um rather than political topics. I, I really enjoy living in Taiwan because I do feel like I can speak freely. And even if I do have a different political opinion than someone in Taiwan would have, I can learn from their opinion and we can talk freely about it. There, there's a little bit more, a lot more pressure having these kind of conversations in mainland China. And so I, I really appreciate Jessica because um, we can talk sometimes in Mandarin, sometimes in English uh, about these sort of things. And I, I know that she's not going to judge me. She's not gonna be offended if I have a different opinion than her. Um, whereas with the way the mainland Chinese education system works, um, the, way, the way they're taught, disagreement or a different opinion can be perceived as offensive. So the Chinese people, or people that you met in mainland China, or your friends in mainland China, had any of them traveled to Taiwan prior to this um, stopping? Yeah, hard, hardly any. Um, some had traveled to different countries, but yeah, hardly any had been to Taiwan. Some had been for, for tourism, um, but there were some definitely ingrained ideas about what Taiwan is, what, what Taiwan is not, that I do wish that there had been more exchange with, with Taiwanese people in person. That, I'm sure that could have helped. So a lot of it was probably yes. just what they were taught in school. I was just curious because sometimes when you go to another country, you can get a different perspective. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I wish I knew more people like that. And I think that's another really interesting difference between China and Taiwan. I know so many people in Taiwan who've gone abroad, like Jessica, um, maybe because the standard of living is slightly higher, maybe more families do have the opportunity to do that. Um, in, in China, there's it's such a big place. There's a variety of income levels, more variety of, of what what people can do, where people can go. And um, if you've seen the news recently, um, people are having their passports confiscated in China. And so unless they have a really legitimate business opportunity, in my understanding, um, it's, it's very difficult even for, for someone to go out and travel and experience a, a different culture right now. And it remains to be seen whether those reasons are just for COVID or something else. But I think that's pretty troubling to me because I think it, China will become more and more insular. And, and, and there's, there's concern if, if the, the CCP will take advantage of that, um, if there's reasons they want to, to insulate their, their own people from the rest of the world. Um, also, if you've seen in the news that 
that um, China is not prioritizing English learning as much anymore either. They used to have a lot of these cram schools that Jessica was talking about that their kids would go to that were focused on English or at least had English as a, as a large component of what the kids were learning. But now these after school tutoring centers private schools um, aren't allowed to focus on English as much. And so there will be less engagement with um, the rest of the world from a, from a Chinese young person's perspective. And um, I don't see that as healthy in my personal opinion. I, I think the more that we can engage with other people around the world, the outside world, we can understand each other better. Um, and so I, I also hope that more Americans can learn Mandarin, whether that's in mainland China, if there's an opportunity in the future, um, whether that's in Taiwan, because I think that will help us understand Eastern cultures, especially Chinese cultures better. And language, at least in my studies in linguistics, is not only words, it also influences thought. And, and learning a language, you have to learn some history. Uh, and, and, and that's just helped me so much. I'll never fully understand Chinese culture, Taiwanese culture, but um, learning the language at least opens some, some doors to me uh, of curiosity and, and being able to relate just a little bit. I love that. I love that. What are you What are you thinking, Jessica? Oh, uh, Casey, uh, you say the situation in China is it, it, called Neijuan. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So Neijuan is mean evaluation. Involution. The opposite of evolution. Involution. It is a popular, uh, popular term in China recently. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that involution? Young people in China, they see this this pressure from from the government to become more insular as a country. Um, they're not being exposed to as many outside opportunities, but it's not just that. It's also um, there's even more competition in China um, than, than in Taiwan. Obviously, like Jessica mentioned, Taiwanese people have it really hard as, as far as education when you're a young person. But in China, you have more millions more people right so so that competition is can be only increased and that pressure can be only increased and so young, young people feel like sometimes that there's there's nothing to live for if if you you feel like you've studied all your life well, and yeah. you still can't get as much that's called town pain like there's a there's a ceiling kind of like, like like a ceiling that you even if you've done your absolute best all your life you're not good enough for your parents you're not able to get um the type of job that you think you deserve or that you worked hard enough for um mm -hmm. or you're stuck in a job maybe it's your dream job but the hours are so long and so demanding because yeah, um, yeah. um the work culture is has a lot more pressure than yes uh yeah. yeah working overtime um almost every day of the week six days a week you, you feel like that that influences your life and perspective. So I, I have seen that, it, that at least my mainland Chinese friends seem to be ex experiencing a little bit more depression right now. Um, I, I do more, see- A more fatalist approach. Yes. I, I do see some more optimism among my, my Taiwanese friends. Um, of course, sometimes they do feel like there's a ceiling too. I know that there's inflation and some economic issues here as well, but I, I do enjoy being in an environment where there's a little bit more optimism. Well, I just, we're almost to the end of the time. I don't want to keep you longer than needed, but I, I just had one last question for you. Let's start with uh, Jessica. What do you wish people living in the United States and around the world knew about Taiwan? Is there something that you're like, oh, I would love it if people knew this about my country? I think we are a small island and we are very diverse. We can receive different culture and we 
uh, I think Taiwanese people is very generous. They, we help other nation with uh, help. Uh, yeah, so uh, we want to make people know we are different from China. From what you were saying earlier, if I understood it right, was when Chinese people come to Taiwan, you accept them generally and are kind and open to them. Mm -hmm. But you want to be seen different from the Chinese people. Is that accurate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like uh, you, when you go to Europe, there's so many different countries. Even though they come from similar ethnic backgrounds, they are very different from each other. I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Cassia? What are what would you like people to know about Taiwan? I think Taiwanese people are some of the most kind and generous people in the world. And like Jessica said, they are so very welcoming, even to quote unquote outsiders. Um, there's this concept of in Chinese called Wairen, um, means people outside your circle and outside your group. And, and so it's characteristically more difficult for family-focused cultures, Confucian cultures like Koreans, Japanese, um, Chinese to to open their their hearts to quote unquote outsiders. But I've I've just seen a real um, a real sense of welcoming when I came to Taiwan, even though I, I'm certainly outside the perceived group in many ways. Um, the response to my family is we've started a YouTube channel about our journey. People haven't been judgmental when we make cultural mistakes on our Andy and Taiwan channel. channel. Um, they they have said, oh, you're, you're real Taiwanese now. You're, you're a part of our country. You're you're having more children and adding to the birth rate of our country. And <laughs> yeah, both <I>, right. <laughs> the kind of things people say to me are, are so funny. And I, I, yeah, I did not expect to be welcomed this much. Of course, I expected people to be kind, but um, yeah, I feel a sense of humility with that and and, and thankfulness, and that that people um, let let us in into their lives. I love that. I think we could stand to have a little bit more. What I, I don't remember the word you used, but being open to outsiders, we could stand to improve in that regard in the United States. We can learn from the Taiwanese. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a great discussion and thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. What a fun discussion with Jessica and Cassia. I learned so much about how many Taiwanese feel about the Chinese, as well as how their family education systems work. I thought that Cassia's experience living in China was super helpful as well. And obviously their perspectives are only their own and they do not speak for all Taiwanese people. But I hope that after listening, you'll feel a little more confident in chatting with someone from Taiwan, asking their opinions, asking their perspectives, or clicking on a news story about this amazing island. And let's go make the world a little wiser.